Everybody, it's Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. Welcome to the Outstanding Life Podcast, episode number two with Tim Tanashella. And he is a legally blind street photographer. And if you missed episode number one, you got to go back and listen to it. You talk about an inspirational story, you talk about motivation, you talk about a one man's journey to where he is today. You got to go back and listen to episode number one. One And again, before I introduce Tim again, I want to make sure that everybody knows how to spell Tim's last name. And it is T-I-M, Tim, and it's T-O-N-A-C-H-E-L-L-A. Follow him on social media. I mean, check out his, his incredible work of the streets of Detroit. It's amazing. Well, welcome to episode number two, Tim. How are you? Real good. Hey, we got ourselves a fresh uh, cup of Detroit bold coffee, Detroit coffee, and um, well, Detroit Bold um, coffee. And I'll tell you what, this stuff is amazing. So thanks to AJ for uh, for the uh, awesome coffee. And um, Tim, you know, in segment one, episode number one, uh, you really shared your story. And, and I thank you so much. I mean, you are such an inspiration to so many people. Um, I have some questions, um, you know, that came in on social media when I told them who I was going to be interviewing this week and stuff like that. And one of them came up and, and they want to know, how does black and white versus color play into your work? Um, <laughs> it's easier for me to process black and white photos than color. Um, but... Not too much, really. Do you prefer I, one over the other? Not because of my vision, particularly, but I do have a fondness for black and white photography. And, you know, over the years, I'm trying to develop my skills in processing black and white photography better. And I could see myself, as time goes on, leaning more and more towards black and white photography. That's awesome. And I have to ask you, you know, what do you like, like, like when you're taking pictures and, and you're leaving for the day, what do you want your viewers to take away from your work? You and know, I, it's, it's a tough question. I know. And it's not really. If I was asked, what do I try to do the most? I love shooting nostalgic Detroit. Mm -hmm. When I put up a photo of someplace that everyone recognizes, uh, the Grandy Ballroom, I went back, and it was part of a project I worked on a year ago um, for a book. And I posted the Grandy Ballroom, and I heard people tell me stories. <laughs> they told me stories about going there when we were all younger and, yeah. you know, who played there. And uh, I hear them get lighthearted. I hear them talk about that night and who they saw there and how they partied and, <laughs> and I just feel good and you know it happens on different photos there was a, a home an older old home that I photographed in Delray and I titled it if these walls could speak and the feedback that I got you know there were people talking about what those walls would have said from the fifties and sixties. Yeah. Um, 
I've, I've been, for the last four years, I've been working on a project, uh, an exhibit that will be called Mortality, Conversations in Mortality. And Charlene Walton is co-curating it with me. And we've been waiting for the right venue. And with the COVID, we decided we would hold off. I remember um, going down to the cemeteries, the old cemeteries in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And I took some photos in Elmwood. And I told everybody I was still working on mortality or conversations with mortality. And I watched people interact, share uh, to other people that were having a hard time that had lost somebody mm-hmm. and suggesting books that they might read or giving them numbers for grief counseling services or that. And the comments and the interaction of helping one another um, that was one of the times that I, I really remember in reading the comments and how much people shared and how intimate they were at times with the information they were sharing. Yeah. Um, those are the things that, that really motivate me. When ideally um, I was out and I shot, shot the vanity ballroom yesterday and I posted the photos, and it was another time that a lot of comments came up about what they did there and who played there, and and reliving our youth yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, probably one of the more well-known photos I have is the tunnel at Joe Lewis. Yes. No more Joe. <laughs> um, and it's and- no longer there. The Joe's right. no, no longer There's there, and, you, and you've got to take pictures of that and preserve that. And, and there'll be in my show in October. The tunnel, though, it really did turn out real well. And, uh, you know, I said in our, our first go-round that I had cancer, and all of the nurses that infused me and gave me the chemo, I brought them all prints. Oh, Nice. And I remember giving the one nurse the tunnel. And she talked about all the people that she saw there and how much they partied <laughs> and all the good memories. Yeah. And that that was such a good feeling to hear people and see their face just light up with this big smile. Um, you know, I photograph the Belle Isle and the Eastern Market. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a real fondness for them. My mother and father were divorced. And I would go with my dad because I was the only boy and I'd spend the whole weekend. He'd usually pick my sisters up for Saturday and then we'd drop them off at the end of the day and I'd spend the rest of the weekend with them. Well, he didn't know what to do with me, you know? <laughs> so we always ended up at Belle Isle or the Eastern Market. And to this day, I still go there all the time. Yeah. Um, There's some of my favorite places to photograph. Uh, You know, if you're a new photographer, you had asked me about that in the last session. Finding some place like that that you just love, that you feel comfortable, and not pay a lot of attention to everything on the camera and all the settings, and walk back and and photograph them, and then go home and, and look at them and feel that. That, that's where a lot of motivation comes from. 
Let me ask you this. Is there a place that right now, if I, if I could write a check for you and you could go back in time, you could go money is no object. What is one place that you have not shot that you would love to shoot? And I know it's just kind of a futuristic question that, you know, uh, but just for fun, what is one place that, that you wish that was still around or maybe it is around and you would just love to go and shoot it? Well, like something on your bucket list or something. I I don't know. You know, I'm Italian, obviously, (laughs) from my last name. Uh, I I think if I somebody said, here, here's some dough, go do what you want to do. I would probably go to Italy. Okay. And uh, travel around. Not the big places that have all been shot out to death. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing you have to think about when you're a photographer. How many people have photographed this? And how unique can I make it? Yes. And sometimes you go, oh, man, I've seen that so many times. But I'd like to go to the little towns in Italy. I'd like to go, you know, I I lived in California for a good number of years. I'd like to go see the vineyards in, in, in Italy and photograph them, I think. That's so neat. How much, like, like, like when you're shooting, how much is instinct versus planned? Uh, as a street photographer, <laughs> I never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going to end up. Yesterday, uh, when we left, uh, Michael and Michelle and I, we were going to go look for the park where you caught the Pablo boat. Oh, yeah. And I had been there. Now, before. which park? Bishop Park in Wyandotte? No. Okay, because the they're one downtown on okay. Jefferson. Yes. Okay. Yep. So I had been there years ago, and I took took uh, a photo of the big signage for Pablo. Yeah. 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 And it didn't turn out. That happens, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And Michelle hasn't shot that much, and and Mike's got some more experience. I said, Oh, let's let's go down there. And uh, we weren't able to get in. They have Jefferson all tore up yeah, there. Yep. They're working on the parks. And, you know, last week I took a photo of the Ambassador Bridge from the new skate park that yes. they're, they're doing. And that, that's, I, I just had an incredible day there. Mike got some fantastic photos. Your pictures from that day were incredible. I was looking at them just yesterday before the interview. And um, I tell you what, nice, nice job. You got not only the bridge that looks incredible, but you got some of the skaters in there and the way you shot it. It was just, it was amazing. So again, outstanding job. Yeah, those, you know, so we ended up going to the vanity ballroom. We ended up going to the, back to the skate park. We, uh, and we didn't have a, a planned destination, there's so much to, to photograph. Um, we stopped at the old entrance to Waterworks Park, little tiny building. And I have already photographed it a ton of times, but I said, let's stop there. I go, this is great practice for you guys. You can, can really capture some architectural. And... They had a great time, and I took a couple more photos. I got a really good one out of it. And, you know, street photography is different, like the planning. 
They're, they put up the wrought iron gate all the way around the entrance, the main entrance there. So you're standing up on the fence and balancing and trying to get a clear shot of something. Um, you know, I, I've had to crawl through some places. Uh, I, I think one of the places that it was really cool that I got into was the Lee Plaza Hotel. When you say you got into, does that mean it's no it's no longer in use and you got in there by trespassing? Uh, You'll take the fifth on that. Usually, <laughs> usually I say, uh, somebody left the door open. Look, I've, I've never broken anything to get into a building. Yeah, right. But if somebody before me did, and I can walk through the door, and that was kind of what happened with the Hoko. Kim and I stopped, and I was going <laughs> to photograph the main gate. And I looked over, and lo and behold, somebody had left the gate open. Uh, so I, I I went a lot of places that I'm glad that I went. And I, I always tell Kim, I go, keep the bail money, you know, or the fine money or whatever, <laughs> because it's not going to stop me if I don't feel like I'm hurting anybody. Or... If a cop does stop you, you're like, listen, I'm legally blind. I got lost, okay? I'm lost. <laughs> you know, and, and that works too. Uh, I think the coolest place that I trespass, to be quite honest, is the walking zoo at Belle Isle. Oh, yes. I remember taking my daughter there. Um, I mean, I'm, we're, we're talking, my daughter's 29 years old now. So I remember taking her to that zoo that is now not the zoo. And and now when I when I see you guys taking photos, I'm like I remember you know seeing uh, that uh, elephant with my daughter there. I remember walking over that bridge. I remember like I it, it, it brings back all those memories. And that right there is what I want to capture. I want you to look at even if it is all tagged up, even if there's graffiti and you know street art all over the buildings mm-hmm. in the walking zoo. I want you to recognize that's the walking zoo. Yeah. I took my daughter there and I looked at your smile this time. Yeah. And that right there is what I try to do. Right. Another one that I'm looking at right now is um, a a picture um, of just, it looks like industrial windows. And, and, And I can't imagine what you were thinking when you took a shot like that, because I, again, not knowing, but I'm imagining that that was probably in a factory that a man or a woman was working for years looking outside that that window. I remember that photo well. And it was in the soap factory. Oh, okay. Wait, in Detroit? I didn't even know that they had a soap factory. In Detroit. It was a little small place. Okay. And I was walking through it and I was looking at the floor and the light coming through the window when I looked at the floor, it looked like a huge patchwork quilt. I went, wow, that's really cool. And I stood back and I started looking at the window. And that was uh, one of the first photos in the series of industrial glass. Okay. And I started shooting the windows. And I thought about the people that stood behind the windows. They looked out the windows. And as time went on, the glass ended up getting replaced with green glass, blue glass. <laughs> um, sometimes there would be some clear glass. 
And some of them, you'll get a little snippet of the tree outside. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for a little while when I was a kid, I worked at Massey Ferguson Tractor. And I also worked at Bathy Manufacturing out in Plymouth when it was uh, still open. And looking out the windows was, you know, the little eight by 10 panes of glass that everybody saw for a half a mile or they worked at Ford's or wherever. And they intrigued me. And um, there was some beauty in them that I didn't see when I was looking at them from a different perspective. Yeah. Well, yeah. people were probably trying to get out. They couldn't wait to get out of to the other side. That's it. For eight, 12 hour, you know, uh, work day. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm going to, I'm just going to throw this out there, Tim. And, and I didn't ask you permission or anything else, but listen, if you guys that, that are listening right now know, of, or maybe you even have a building in your family, um, that is no longer in use, or maybe, you know, somebody that Tim can get into the building to take pictures. Maybe you have plans on, on uh, tearing down that building. Um, and you want Tim to maybe walk inside with you and, and take photos. I thought, Tim, why not, you know, let people know how to get a hold of you? Because, I mean, think about this for a second. I mean, I, if, if I had a building and, and, and I wanted to, to remember it, have somebody like you, a professional, walk inside. One, it would be a win-win. You would get a place you'd never been into before. Um, and then two, I, I'm just throwing it out there, guys. You know, if you know somebody, maybe... Again, just a place that maybe Tim hasn't shot yet. Reach out to again. Uh, reach out to Tim again. You can find him on Facebook. I believe you're on Instagram, right? No, no. Okay. So, do you have a website? Not or yet. just Facebook? Not yet. Okay, just Facebook. So again, reach out to Tim. And and how you spell his last name is T O N A C H E L L A. Reach out to him, uh, Tim. This question came in on um, social media, and they wanted to know how does social media play a role in the business today? Is social media a good thing for you, or do you? Well, obviously, I don't have a website yet. Yep. And you know, I, I've only been doing the art photography for five years. It didn't start out to be some business. It, it started to be a hobby. Now I met Bruce and it, it just built and built. And, you know, I started entering some stuff and uh, I got excited, you know, the first time I placed in an exhibit. And, and it, it was good for my self-esteem. It was good for my ego. It was another thing that people told me I couldn't do. Yeah. And uh, I, I go, okay, this works. And <laughs> being out on the street was a natural. And I don't, I don't think of my photography as a business yet. Maybe at some point it will be. But it's a hobby that I do. And everyone likes to know that they're excelling at what they do. Yeah. So when I submit my work to an exhibit... Uh, especially juried exhibits and I place, I get excited. I don't think that's ego. I, I think that that's a gauge of how well I'm doing at what I do. And uh, like I've said before during the interview, 
watching the feedback on, on my page yeah. and, and hearing people be excited. Um, photography has cost me way more than all I've made, <laughs> you know, between the equipment and, and the framing and the, everything that goes with it. Um, it costs me more than, than I make off of it. So and can people buy prints then from you, reach out to you if they see something on Facebook and would, would, would they just send you a message and yeah. say, Hey, I love that photo. Can you I sell an occasional print? Okay. And, uh, you know, stuff is for sale at the exhibits. Yeah. Cool. But, um, and I love your next one coming up is in October. Yep. Yep. October Detroit 9th. metal, Detroit metal a half a decade later. That's when I started shooting art photography and uh, it will be at Plymouth Community Arts Center. Love it. Hey, Tim, I, I, this question is great. Again, came in on social media, and I don't know if it was a man, woman, I can't remember, but they said, help, I feel awkward taking photos of people in the streets. What do I do about it? And, 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 and I, that's actually a great question because I guess that, that would be, have, that would, you'd have to get used to that, right? Because I guess it is take it's a little bit awkward taking it's, photos of people. It's a little bit intimidating. Do you ask for permission? You just do it or Well, there <laughs> there are two things. I have taken pictures of people because I want that candid, uh, spontaneous. I don't want them to know that I'm photographing them. After that I'll ask them if I can photograph them and I'll probably take more photographs. Mm -hmm. But once I have their consent, you know. It's really a big issue today in the courts and everything. Um, and there are a lot of, of rules defining that. I've never had a bad time. I have had people ask me not to take their photo. And I don't have a problem in the world with that. I say, thank you. Go away. So you never had anybody chase you down or anything? No, I've never had anybody <laughs> grab my camera. Although there are a lot of documentations of that happening. Um, most of the people I photograph, you know, I end up talking to them after I photograph them. I say, I had to photograph of you a couple of them. Can I take a couple more? Yeah. And if they go, yeah. And mainly everybody I photograph is out on the street. So it's public domain mm -hmm. and people can argue it in court and everything. Um, I try to be very respectful. I don't take photos that would embarrass anybody. Oh, absolutely. No, your your stuff is so, now, so classic. I have taken some photos. I remember one of them. I was uh, right by the first national building. I used to go into work with Kim all the time. I yeah. think I said that earlier. Yeah. And I'd walk around downtown all day. And we got there early one morning, and there were two people sleeping in the entryway to a shop. Now, neither one of their faces were exposed. You know, their tennis shoes were. Yeah. And I photographed that and I got an honorable mention for it. And the response to that photo made a lot of people feel that feel grateful that they weren't in that position to feel sadness for the people that were there. Maybe it was the motivation for them to go and help out volunteer, make a contribution to the soup kitchen or whatever to help people that are in that position. Um, and I've never felt bad about taking that that photo. Mm -hmm. And 
So, you know, a lot of the old guys, they're, they're cool. <laughs> so, so listen, you, so you would go with your wife, you know, and, and hang out while she was working, you would go take pictures mm-hmm. and you were, and you just talked about, you know, uh, getting that, the picture of uh, a person's feet with, with the tennis shoes. But let me ask you this completely the other side because you were downtown there was you know the people in the suits and wheeling and dealing and stuff like that do you, did you ever take pictures of of um you, you know the the people that are professionals and stuff like that um occasionally um i can't even imagine because you have the courthouses down there you have the hospitals down there you have you know all that stuff so that's not really your thing then one one of the um Cool photos I took, and it was shot, and it's the woman's back. It was during a rainstorm, and she was walking down Woodward Avenue with an umbrella, and the raindrops showed up in the photo when I processed it. And it reminded me of the Morton Salt Box. Oh, yeah. So I spent a lot of time processing it, and I don't exclusively shoot homeless people or poor people, you know, um, I have shot some other people and that one was probably, that one was in a show or I don't know if it was in a show, but it's definitely hung in some places and you can tell from the signage where it is. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it. Do you take photos for yourself or do you take photos for others to enjoy? You know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I do my artwork for myself. Um, I don't know about that. I I like displaying my work. One of my favorite things to do is during an exhibit, I was at Downriver Council for the Arts, mm-hmm. and they have these tall kind of tables, drink tables, that they set up during exhibits. And... Nobody knows that you're the artist. <laughs> so I found my work and I kind of inched the table over there close enough <laughs> to where I could hear what people were saying about my work. You know, most people, they aren't going to say, I, I, I had one neighbor of mine who's real, really straightforward. She looked at a piece of my work I was carrying out to the car one day. I asked her, what do you think? She goes, I don't like it. It's flat. It's flat? Yeah. And I went, okay. And I looked at it and go, hmm, maybe I do need to do something with it. I don't know. But most people aren't going to be really honest with you. So leaning on the table, listening to what people said about my work yeah. was a great experience. And uh, I get a, a ton out of photography. When I was really sick and getting chemo is when I did a few of the big shows, you know, holes in the wall. It kept me out of myself. It kept me out of Mm -hmm. self-pity. So, you know, I get a lot out of it, but I don't exclusively do it for myself. I do it to the direction that my photography has taken is a lot of nostalgia I want people to look at it and feel good. And maybe and Tim, you're doing it. Maybe you're doing not it, brother. Feel so good once in a while. 
But I want people to feel when they look at my work. I want yeah. them to feel happiness. I want them to feel sadness. I want them to feel. And if I was just doing it for myself, um, it would be hard to get that and convey that. Mm -hmm. So so it's 50-50. I shoot for me and I shoot for them. <laughs> and when they're happy, I'm happy. That's so awesome. That's a great Hey, another question came in on social media, and they want to know, how does one make money being a street photographer in this business? And I, and I, and I think you, you kind of said that earlier. You're like, hey, I think I got more money wrapped up into this whole thing yeah. than I have made off this. If I was doing this for the money alone, I would not be doing it. I, <laughs> right. you know, it's one of the worst business ventures I've ever seen. Do I get enough out of it to satisfy me even if it costs me a couple bucks? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, and as as people have gotten to know and see my work and it's a little bit better, I, I think one of the, the cool things that I was asked to do was I had a friend of mine who was going to put his dog down. He goes, would you come over and take pictures of me and D? That was his dog's mm -hmm. name, D. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've been asked to do things. Probably one of the greatest things that I've done with my photography, there's an organization called Art and Soul, and Melissa Parks runs it. And they um, try to help kids that are in foster care find permanent homes. Mm -hmm. And I photographed a couple of the kids and a few of their events. And what a great feeling to like, even if I was just a little tiny part of that, that somebody looked at the photograph of this kid and went, she looks so cute and sweet. We got to go talk to her. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, the last, last young lady I photographed was just a joy to work with. You know, Kim and I, we do that together all the time. We uh, went up up north. Can't remember the name of the little town. And there's uh, and the other time we went to Adrian. So we made a little trip out of it and get away for for the weekend and go photograph the kids and uh, go to the events. And yeah, that's been one of the more rewarding things. One thing I, I want to make sure that I talk about before we wrap things up, I can't believe it's been another 35 minutes already, but Tim, uh, the cool part is, is, is you are working with um, somebody else and you're writing a book and you're, and you're, you're, you're a part of a book. I mean, talk a little bit about that. Cause that's exciting. Again, those of you that can't see Tim right now, he has this huge smile on his face, Tim with, with episode number one, you telling everybody, you know, you came from the streets of Detroit and, and to where you are today, uh, you, you were the GM of a hotel. I mean, all these great accomplishments, but to add author after your name, dude, come on, man. I mean, how cool is that? I know. I don't want you to talk about this. That's, that's very cool. You know, um, I met AJ years ago and he was one of the people who went now AJ at. is the owner of uh Detroit, uh, bold, Detroit coffee. bold coffee company. Yep. And AJ was, uh, at Cass Park, then he'd mm -hmm. bring coffee, and uh, for the homeless. Yeah, when 
when I became the pudding man, he was down there giving out coffee. Um, and then I I learned that he, he was always in Shed 3 at mm-hmm. the Eastern Market every Saturday. Yep. Just about. And he's actually, one day I said to him, I said, hey, Jay, after I got to know him a couple of times. Yeah. I go, how would you like to come to one of my exhibits and serve coffee? Because it was at a place that couldn't, you couldn't serve liquor. Mm-hmm. And he showed up and it was great for him. He got some exposure. Yeah. And I had coffee for my show. And he became a big supporter of mine. And we've become really good friends. And he has an incredible story. And uh, one day I was at the mark. I took a photo of him. And that photo is on the back of one of his bags for one of the brands of coffee that he does. How cool is that? Um, so one day, I, I kiddingly said, AJ, when are we going to do a Detroit Bowl photo coffee table uh, book together? Yeah. He looks at me and goes, let's do it. So I'm going to be providing the photos, and he's doing the written portion of the book. And we talked about potentially having it done by October because we both have busy schedules, but kind of set that as our deadline. And uh, we'll do the book signing and the opening for the show October 9th. That's so awesome. And uh, That's exciting. That is, you know. Author Tim. I love it. That that is so cool. We got we got to wrap things up, and I, I, I you know I appreciate you spending this hour, but I want you to wrap it up with, um, Tim. There's everybody struggles with something, right? Um, I, I want you to leave the audience with maybe just a thought, maybe a story. Um, I don't know, but uh, you, you've been through. Helen back. If it wasn't the cancer, it was growing up. I mean, and, and you've overcome everything, but there are people right now that are inspired by your story. What can you tell them if, if somebody's struggling? Maybe, maybe it is with alcohol. Maybe it's with drugs. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's with their kids. Maybe it's with themselves right now. What can you tell them? Two things. It's impossible to think one thing and produce another. If you walk around saying, I'm going to be broke, I'm going to be broke, I'm going to be broke, I'll just about guarantee that you're going to be broke. Then a long time ago, a good friend of mine, his grandfather made all of the kids memorize this, what I'm going to say in a minute. And he said it to me. And I decided, out of respect for our friendship, that I would remember it. Mm-hmm. On the plains of hesitation lie the bones of countless millions who at the dawn of victory sat down to rest and resting died. I don't sit down much. There's too much to do, too much I want to see, and uh, I don't want to sit down and rest and die. I want to be out and be part of, of what's going on. And having a positive attitude, I mean, we all have those those weak moments. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I do it one day at a time. 
I'll forever be grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a Mason. And one of my uncles told me, wise men have wise counsel. <laughs> and I believe that. I have a lot of people I'm very fortunate that I can go to and ask for advice or I can talk to about the way that I feel. And um, I'm grateful that they're in my life. And I use that a lot. Yeah. Tim, I can't thank you enough. The, these two episodes, I know that uh, your story has helped, you know, many, many people. And I know your story is going to help many, many more. So um, we got to do this again. And, and, and I'm going to challenge myself to one of these days get on the street with you and hang out with you and watch everything you do sure. during one afternoon or one morning. I'm always looking for a driver, <laughs> man. Well, everybody, hey, it's me. It's Johnny D hanging out with you here on the Outstanding Life Podcast. And you just got done listening to Tim Tanashella. And did I say that right again? You did. All right. Man, that's three, four times in a row. Tim, and, and, and I'm going to spell the last name for you because I want you guys to follow him on social media. His 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 artwork is amazing. Uh, and it's Tim, T-I-M, and it's Tanashella, and it's T-O-N-A-S, I'm sorry, T-O-N-A-C-H-E-L-L-A. And I just want to say, again, thanks to AJ for sending over some Detroit Bold Coffee from the Detroit Bold Coffee Company. Thanks, AJ, for the coffee during this podcast. And everybody, this is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, telling all of you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an outstanding day. We'll see you next time on the Outstanding Life Podcast. Outstanding Life is a Soul Bridge Studio.